0: Somewhere on the border of Mexico and Guatemala, there's an unassuming building with high white walls. On one wall, there's a bright yellow sign with a red trefoil symbol, the universal warning sign for radiation. On another wall, there's a giant depiction of a medfly, as if the building is the secret fortress of the devastating crop pest. But the building is actually the headquarters of some of the world's most ardent medfly fighters the people of Programa Moscomed, which is Spanish for the medfly program. Inside those white walls, the latest weapon against the medfly is being created. Or, I should say, being bred. It turns out the best way to fight medflies is with more medflies, or so the theory goes. So this factory breeds medflies at industrial scale, operating 24 hours a day to breed 500 million medflies every single week. In one part of the factory, rooms of 25,000 medflies mate so the females can lay eggs that fall through a mesh screen to be harvested. Workers rotate giant vats the size of cement mixers to create a cake batter slurry of flour, yeast, sugar, and water to feed medfly maggots. Since these medflies are prisoners, they don't get to feast on fruit, they get slop. Once the medfly pupae emerge, looking like fat kernels of rice, They're harvested and stuffed into long cylindrical bags like you see for kettle corn at farmers' markets. And it's at this stage, before they're full adults, that the lab-grown medflies become the ultimate weapon in the fight against their wild brethren. The pupae are exposed to radiation, like so many other superheroes before them. Cobalt-60 radiation, to be exact. The radiation makes the medfly pupae sterile, at which point they can be deployed successfully in the field. I don't know exactly when Governor Jerry Brown heard about Programa Moskamed, but when he did, it must have sounded like the answer to his prayers. Because the whole idea of sterile flies means getting rid of medflies without using pesticides. The flies will mate with the wild flies infesting California crops. The female medflies will think they're fertilized, but they'll lay eggs that won't hatch, which means the breeding cycle will be disrupted and the medfly plague will end. The popcorn bags of sterile medfly pupae are shipped to California. Just before they're ready to emerge as adults, they're tossed out of helicopters. The state starts releasing sterile flies in July 1980, just over a month after the medflies first emerged in California. And they continue to do so through the fall, using flies both from Programa Moscomed and from a facility in Peru. At first, it looks like the sterile fly program and other aspects of the ground campaign will stop the invasion. But no good plan survives first contact with the enemy. From Campside Media, I'm Bijan Steven, and you're listening to Eclipse. Since the first
1: Mediterranean fruit fly was spotted a year ago in San Jose, the fear was it would invade this
0: valley. It has. When the medfly first appeared in California in June 1980, Governor Jerry Brown was faced with the kind of situation politicians hate, an ongoing crisis that has multiple imperfect solutions. Because no matter what you do to solve it, a lot of voters are going to hate your guts.
1: No one was more aware of that political reality than California Governor Jerry Brown.
0: Remember, medflies can wipe out hundreds of types of crops with devastating speed. So naturally, farmers demanded that Brown launch an all-out aerial assault, spraying pesticide from helicopters over farms and urban areas alike to eradicate the flies and save their fields. But lots of other California citizens hate the idea of pesticide being sprayed over their homes and pets and children. And Brown sides with them. He knows aerial spraying will be a political and environmental disaster. It'll kill fish, drip the paint off cars, and rally citizens against him.
1: The whole MedFly incident, as it's called, has stirred up enormous controversy in California, by some accounts arousing political emotions not seen since the Vietnam War. Farmers worried the infestation could spread to their fields begged for aerial spraying, but didn't
0: get it. Brown decides that spraying is the greater evil and that he wants to avoid it at all costs. Which is why the sterile medflies from Programma Moskomed started their adult lives being thrown out of helicopters over California. Irradiated medfly pupae sounded a lot more palatable to Californians than pesticides. Let the flies fight the flies. But as the medfly crisis drags on, aerial spraying looks more and more like the only remaining option. And Brown must be starting to realize that, even if he hasn't admitted this to the California public. The state isn't an island, even though it feels that way sometimes. Produce grown there gets shipped out all over the country and all over the world. And those other states and countries are starting to get nervous that a medfly might hitch a ride to their own farms and start a new infestation. Several southern
1: states today announced blockades to keep out California shipments from fruit fly areas. The Japanese held firm in insisting that California fruit they buy be fumigated. No one really knows where in California this pest is. You cannot be sure that these fruits and vegetables, in fact, are not carrying MedFly.
0: Soon, the pressure Brown faces in his own state — the pressure to end the crisis quickly — becomes a global outcry. And it doesn't help that the leader of the free world is one of Brown's longtime political enemies. This is the second episode of our three-part series on the MedFly invasion. This is episode two, The Ultimatum. Back to those sterile medflies for a second. When California started throwing flies out of helicopters in July 1980, the sterile insect technique was still relatively new. And the initial results were a pretty classic example of the bunglings of man trying to use nature to fight nature. People just didn't know what to expect. So here's what happened.
1: Scientists released millions of sterile medflies, hoping that the females would lay only infertile, unhatchable eggs.
0: As soon as the sterile flies were released, all the medfly traps were full. They were, quote, loaded up like a piece of flypaper, as one worker put it. So the state had to introduce entirely new traps. But then, no one was able to tell whether the flies in the traps were sterile flies from programa Med or the wild flies infesting California crops. Naturally, it got way worse from there. To see just how much worse, let's fast forward to the summer of 1981. Remember from the last episode, Governor Brown was told that the medfly couldn't survive a California winter. Well, it turns out that advice was very wrong. The medflies reemerged the next summer, in June 1981.
1: But the flies weren't sterile, and that added to the problem.
0: Let's explore that for a second. The idea that the sterile flies weren't sterile is a rumor that got picked up by the media. And it's pretty funny, right? Because if it's true, the Programma on medflies are actually double agents. Proclaiming loyalty to California farmers, and then actually hopping into bed with the enemy. But we looked into it, and despite the frequency with which the rumor has been repeated, we can't find any evidence to confirm it. What is known is that once the flies reemerged in 1981, California crops are really and truly screwed. The sterile flies didn't stop them, the winter didn't stop them. What can? And the answer is the one thing Governor Brown doesn't want to do. It rhymes with besticide. Anyway, once the flies reemerge, things get very bad for Jerry Brown. The farmers who demanded aerial spraying back in 1980 blamed Brown for his delay.
1: So there are two wars being fought in California now, one against the fruit fly, the other launched by Republicans and farmers to eliminate Jerry Brown from the
0: political... They say none of this would have been happening if Brown had just done what they'd asked in the first place. But even now that the Medflies have reemerged, Brown is still dragging his feet on using aerial pesticides. Instead, he orders a renewed ground campaign. So more workers go into more fields and yards to pick fruit off of trees, so Medflies don't have a place to lay their eggs. The workers also coat the trees with Malathion. Brown wants the people to know that he takes the crisis seriously. So he appears with the Medfly fighting troops.
1: Soldiers in the latest attack were given a send-off by Governor Jerry Brown, who predicts that if the infestation spreads, the impact could be nationwide. It could mean several hundred million dollars in economic loss, and it can have a major impact in the availability of fruits and vegetables.
0: But Brown's political enemies see an opening. They say he's soft on the medfly.
1: The governor was in San Francisco's Chinatown today. He says Republican politicians are using the fruit fly issue for their political gain. The worst thing that can happen now is for a bunch of little politicians to run around the state uh, seeking their
0: own narrow game. Governor Brown's popularity is slipping. He's on the defensive.
1: It's very easy now, as the Monday morning quarterback, to say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that?
0: As Brown presses forward with the ground campaign, other states are worried about infestation spreading to their crops.
1: The Oklahoma... Agcoster does hereby promulgate this emergency regulation and quarantine the Mediterranean fruit fly. North Carolina Agriculture Commissioner Jim Graham said everyone has to be worried about the fly. All take is one truckload of infested fruit, North fruit crops would have the same problem.
0: But now, a familiar Brown foe steps in. President Ronald Reagan. Brown and Reagan have a long history together. They're political enemies. Reagan preceded Brown as governor of California. When Brown took office, he made fun of Reagan's governor's mansion.
1: Well, let me tell you about the mansion. It's 12,000 square feet. Wow. We spent $1.5 million. We have nine bedrooms. And it looks kind of like a Safeway store.
0: Anticipating a chance to run against Reagan, Brown actually challenged Jimmy Carter for the Democratic presidential nomination in 1980. Which was weird, because Carter was the sitting president. In other words, Jerry Brown jumped at the chance to run against Ronald Reagan in front of the whole country. Like I said, Brown and Reagan were political enemies. Needless to say, Brown lost to Carter, then Reagan beat Carter and entered the White House. So now that the med flight crisis in Brown's California is worrying people across the country, a guy who doesn't like Brown very much is the person who's running America. In July 1981, Reagan's Secretary of Agriculture, John Rustling Block, delivers Brown an ultimatum.
1: When the federal secretary of agriculture, John Block, threatened to slap a quarantine on farm produce from California, which supplies 40% of the fruit and vegetables
0: Americans consume. The entire state won't be able to ship a single strawberry outside its borders unless Brown caves. To put it mildly, that would have huge economic implications for California. So Brown caves immediately. Within 24 hours of the threatened quarantine, Brown makes an announcement that aerial spraying will commence within days. Brown says that he's only doing it because Reagan put a gun to his head, metaphorically speaking. But there's been speculation since that Brown only said that because he had finally come to the conclusion that he would have to spray to get rid of the medfly, and he needed someone to blame. Whatever the case, the implication for California residents is that they have no time to prepare. The spraying is going to happen within days of the announcement. Public hysteria ensues.
1: Helicopters taking off after midnight had the frightening look of a combat mission. And this is a war zone.
0: And a lot of that is because of the lack of lead time. As I said in the last episode, people plan to evacuate the cities to get away from the helicopters. The Red Cross sets up tents outside the spray zones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Others just stay in their homes and freak out as depicted in this clip from the Robert Altman movie, Shortcuts. This couple is fighting over whether or not their dog can be outside during the spraying.
1: Can shut the windows for me,
0: please? please? Yes. What are you
1: doing? The dog sits outside. told you a hundred times. Don't put Susie outside the spraying. They're going to give her cancer. It's not going to give her cancer. Don't you get environmental you on you me, Sherry. You news lately. It's dangerous. It's not dangerous. They wouldn't be doing it if it was dangerous.
0: At the time this is all happening, Governor Brown's chief of staff is a man named B.T. Collins. Collins is a special forces veteran who lost an arm and a leg to a grenade in Vietnam. He's sick of all the people whining about the spraying, so he decides to reassure them. He'll drink a glass of malathion diluted to spray strength, and he'll do it on live TV.
1: Tastes terrible. Tastes like kerosene. But I just want to let the kids know that I wouldn't put them in an area that was uh, unsafe.
0: Even after Collins chugs pesticide on live television, the public is not reassured. Even though B.T. Collins made the ultimate sacrifice and chugged a glass of Malathion on live TV, it didn't do much to reassure a public skeptical of the effects of the spray. But the good news is that public health officials responded really well. They didn't have any more advance warning than anyone else. But once they knew the situation, they quickly put together credible experts to reassure people's anxieties. No one can ever say there is no risk with anything. But of all the chemicals could be used, this is probably one of the least toxic. And maybe because there wasn't Facebook in 1981, it worked. The vast majority of people calmed down about the spraying, and only a few showed up at the Red Cross shelters. — A week ago, hundreds of fruit flies were being trapped in
1: the infested area. Today, there were only two flies in this trap. — Where we have been spraying, we are not finding flies, we're not finding larvae. — The only complaint here was the
0: helicopter noise. — It just kept going back and forth for a couple hours. — The aerial spraying seems to beat the flies back. Or, at least, it correlates with the MedFly going away. It's hard to say for certain. Even so, the state and the USDA officially declare eradication of the MedFly in California in September of 1982. Governor Brown runs for Senate that same year. As it happens, his handling of the MedFly crisis is a major sore spot with voters.
1: Some farmers and politicians are calling for Brown's impeachment. He's, he's fouled up on this one. He's gonna cost the
0: taxpayers millions. The environmentalists are pissed that he caved and went along with aerial spraying. The farmers are pissed that he delayed so long and possibly extended the crisis and their own economic hardship as a result. As Brown's biographer put it, quote, his tacking between positions alienated both sides of an impassioned debate, leaving him without friends. Ouch. Ronald Reagan made sure to take plenty of jabs at Brown during the latter Senate campaign. Here he is making fun of Brown's nickname, Governor Moonbeam.
1: Since I couldn't personally get to each district, the Republican National Committee came up with this means of beaming me out to gatherings all over the country. And I'll admit, I'm a little worried. The way I'm beaming all over the place, I'm afraid someone might mistake me for Jerry Brown, California's Mr. Medfly.
0: And here he is campaigning for Brown's opponent. Now who would you like to have in
1: California helping administer that switch back to that kind of federalism? Someone whose first great battle of history-making proportions was against the medfly.
0: Brown loses the Senate election. And then, everyone forgets about the medfly. That's great for California farmers and anyone across the globe who eats what they grow. But it's bad news for entomologist Jim Carrey, who we spoke to in the last episode. As a research scientist of agricultural pests, he's kind of like a wildland firefighter. If stuff isn't on fire, he's pretty much out of work. Then the money ran out and I got depressed. (laughs) I didn't know what I was going to do. I was looking for research, and there were two uh, pretty
1: prominent gravitational biologists, as in, how does gravity affect animals? And in this case, they were using chickens. And uh, they called it the Spinning Chicken Project.
0: So Carrie is spinning chickens. And life goes on in California. The state's voters elect a new governor a Republican named George Dukmegian. And then, in July of 1989, a government worker checks a trap outside of Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. The worker finds a single medfly. They're back. On the next episode of Eclipsed, Dr. Jim Carrey is invited to join the government panel to deal with the new infestation. And, after careful study, he tells the government something they very much do not want to hear. Eclipse is a production of Campside Media. It's hosted by me, Bijan Steven, and written by Michael Canyon-Meyer. We're produced by Lane Gerbig and Joe Hawthorne. Allison Haney is our production assistant. Archival research by Caitlin Rathie. We're fact-checked by Alex Yablon. Our engineer is Garrett Tiedemann. Our theme song is by Doug Slaywood. Our executive producers are me, Bijan Steven, and Michael Chessburster Canyon-Meyer. The executive producers at Campside Media are Matt Schayer, Adam Hoff, Josh Dean, and Vanessa Gregoriotis. If you want to say hello or what's up, drop us a line at eclipse at campsidemedia.com. Or tweet at us at EclipsePod. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me at Bijan Steven on Twitter and Twitch. On Instagram, I'm Cake. We also have a phone number. Leave us a message, pitch us a story, or tell us your nightmares. Give us a call at 949-490-2127. You might be featured on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.